Hey, Planet Money listeners, it's David here. Thanks for listening. If you like word games, puzzles, and trivia, check out NPR's Ask Me Another. You can find it on iTunes under podcast. There is this mall near where I live in California called Westfield Valley Fair. It's more or less like any other mall. It has a Macy's, some clothing stores, a food court. It's ordinary in every way except for one thing. Half of the mall is in the city of San Jose. The other half is in the city of Santa Clara. The boundary runs right through the mall. For a long time, this didn't really matter. At least not until 2012, when one of the cities passed a law. I have here a piece of paper. In big black letters, across the top, it says, Official Notice. Minimum wage, $10 per hour. But only one of these cities had raised its minimum wage. Only San Jose. And this change split the mall in half. Suddenly, there were two economic worlds within a single, very large building. On one side of the mall, everyone made at least $10 an hour. But just a few steps away, in the very same mall, workers doing more or less the same jobs were making just $8 an hour. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Steve Hent. Today on the show, stories of the minimum wage from a single mall in Northern California. What happens when one half suddenly has to pay its workers more? Let's start on the side of the mall where the minimum wage did not change, the $8 side of the mall. In fact, let's start in one store, the Shoe Palace. It seems like nothing should have changed in this store on this side of the mall. But if you were running a store here in 2012, everything changed. Right when it changed, we lost about five, five good employees. This is Philip Sandigo. He's the store manager at the Shoe Palace, and he lost half his staff. They just up and were like, see ya? We like you, but no, sorry. we love you, but, and I understand it, you know, nothing you could do. They paid dollar, actually it was two dollars more. So... An hour, so that's a big difference. So I really couldn't blame him. I didn't get mad. I just said, okay, good luck. You know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out where his staff went. I mean, it wasn't very far. They went to the mall. They're here in the mall. A couple of them went to shoe stores, and then a couple of them went just anywhere else. The Shoe Palace is not the only place in this mall where a kid can get a job selling a pair of Jordan True Flights. There's a footlocker just a few hundred feet away. And if there's another shoe store in the same building, selling exactly the same shoes, but paying $2 more, it not only makes it hard to keep your staff, it makes it hard to hire new people, too. Well, it affects us for the, the kind of employees that come in and, and um, apply for our job, because it's usually the ones that aren't good enough for the $10 an hour job. So we get the bottom of the barrel here. What does that look like? What's the difference look like? The way they're dressed, just, you know, all around, you know, they're not in high school, they're not playing sports. It's just, you know, it's just the kids that that um, that aren't really focused. And you could tell right off the bat. They come in, one kid came in high the other day, you know, drugs. You just, those are the kids you get. It's awkward as he's saying this because standing right next to us is one of his employees, Lamar Gardner. I asked him, did he know when he took this job that the shoe store at the other end of the mall paid more? Yeah, <laughs> he did tell me that. But um, they wasn't looking, and he was looking, so I got it right here. Yeah. Have you thought about just, you know, checking out what jobs are open over there? Not at the moment, no. I'm fine. <laughs> you say in front of your manager? <laughs> you know, there's always a danger that someone like Lamar will leave. 
A guy who runs a chocolate shop on the other side of this mall told me he was actively trying to poach employees from this side. But there's an obvious solution for Phil and his shoe palace, something that would make it easier to hire again. He could just raise salaries to match the other side of the mall. And some stores did that. Phil went to the owners of this store and asked, can we pay $2 an hour more? And they told him no. So now he offers what he can. He tells employees, if you want to work odd hours, that's okay. We'll find a way. And for the moment, that's enough to keep Lamar happy. He works around my schedule. Yeah. So it's perfect. So it's right now, just I'm fine where I'm at right now. When economists talk about the labor market being sticky, this is the kind of thing they're talking about. Employees are reluctant to leave jobs that are working for them. People don't always like to move, even if it's just down to the other side of a mall. So that's the $8 side of the mall. We'll get to what happened on the $10 side of the mall in a minute. But first, let's go right to that boundary between the two. Because there's a funny thing about that boundary. No one at the mall knew exactly where it was. In fact, a surprising number of people didn't know the mall was divided at all. In an economic textbook world, this kind of basic information is what you'd expect everyone to know, that one half of the mall pays a higher minimum wage. But a lot of people I talked to on the lower wage side didn't know they could be earning more on the other side. And people on the side with the higher minimum wage didn't know they were the lucky ones. No, I had no idea. This is Kim Laxon, who works at a kid's yoga store. You didn't know? No, no, no. I mean, that stinks. For the other people on the other side, I mean, that's not really fair. We're working at the same mall. It took me forever to figure out where the line was. Finally, the owners of the mall gave me this paper map. It has a dotted line across it, highlighted with a bright orange marker. It turns out the dividing line snakes through a parking lot, cuts just behind a broom closet in Nordstrom's, then turns right and runs directly through the middle of a store. I went to see what store it was, and appropriately enough for a place that inhabits this netherworld, it's The Gap, the clothing store. In other words, if a worker at The Gap walks to one side of the store to grab a pair of jeans, she's in the city of Santa Clara. If she goes to the other side, she's in San Jose. Now, The Gap declined to talk on tape, but city officials told me The Gap had a couple of options to comply with the different minimum wages. One was to keep track of how much time each employee spent on the San Jose side and the Santa Clara side of the store. Just imagine how that would have worked. Okay, let's say there's like a Gap employee named John. He's in men's jeans. That's $8 an hour. Oh, he, now we walk to the cash register. That's 10 uh, Back in the changing rooms, 8 Instead, the Gap just raised wages for everyone in the store. So we've done what happened on the $8 side of the mall. We've done life on the boundary. Now, the side with the higher minimum wage, where it was raised to $10 an hour. Hi, welcome to Wetzel Pretzel. How can I help you? This is Sophia Duran. She works at a little pretzel store. And honestly, she was a little freaked out by my microphone. What's your favorite pretzel? Uh, I actually don't have a favorite. Wetzel's Pretzels, like all the stores on the San Jose side, faced the opposite dilemma that the Shoe Palace faced. It had to suddenly pay their lowest wage workers more, a bunch more. The minimum wage had been raised by $2 an hour, 25%. Now, that's great if you work here, but it's a challenge if you own the place. My name is Yvonne Rizak, and I am the owner of six Wetzel's Pretzels in California. Yvonne is very proud of her pretzel shops. And she kept trying to feed me pretzels, lemonade, more pretzels. She's also very proud of her workers. 
But figuring out how to pay them more was a challenge. One option was to somehow sell more pretzels. And that's how I view everything that I buy and everything do. How many pretzels do I have to sell to pay for this? Yvonne did the math, and it came to a lot of pretzels, 250 or 300 every pay period. I don't sell 253 under pretzels more, magically, just because the minimum wage went up. So the money wasn't going to come from increased sales. She could cut staff, save money that way. But she figured lines would get longer and she'd lose sales. She really only had a couple options. One was to raise prices. But here she had trouble as well. She couldn't raise them too much. There's an Aunt Annie's pretzel store around the corner. In the same mall, just on the other side of the magic line. So it can pay the lower minimum wage. So I can't just add a dollar. I have to raise things 10 cents. 15 cents. It's important to me that I'm the cheapest food in the mall. The pretzel business is brutal. I asked Yvonne if she keeps a close eye on the competition's prices, and she whips out her cell phone, scrolls past a picture of her 21-year-old son, and pulls up a shot of her competitor's menu, complete with that day's prices. In the end, she could only raise her prices a little bit. And to make up the rest of the difference, she decided she'd have to live with less profit. So the money for the raises came from her customers and from her. And as it turns out, this affected her workers as well. Yvonne has a policy of paying bonuses every year, profit-based bonuses. She gives 15% of her profits back to the employees. The one thing that's happened is my bonuses were smaller. I just did bonus checks, and usually people are so thrilled. But not this year. She has to remind them the bonuses she pays are based on profits, Profits which are smaller because she's already paying them more. These are the tough decisions any business owner has to make when the minimum wage gets raised. But in this mall, there was, of course, a twist. It turns out Yvonne owns another pretzel store in this same mall, and it's on the other end of the mall. She didn't have to raise wages in that store, but what would she tell her employees? Sorry, I know you're making the same pretzels for the same company, In the same mall, but I'm paying you $2 an hour less. That clearly wasn't going to work. So she came up with a clever solution. It was fair, it complied with the law, and didn't require her to raise wages in that other store. It was really simple. Every worker at the mall would rotate through both of her stores. Every other week, somebody would work at the other store. So one week they work in San Jose, one week they work in Santa Clara. And they have two different pay rates, depending on which city they're working in. Her employees, they seem okay with this. And Yvonne says she's fine with raising the minimum wage. She just wishes it was the same everywhere, across the mall, across California, across the entire country. She'd just like politicians to figure out what they want to do with the minimum wage and do it. In the last six months, the minimum wages here have changed again. In January, San Jose hiked the minimum wage to $10.15 an hour. And then just in July, California raised the state's minimum wage, which brought the Santa Clara side of the mall up from $8 to $9 an hour. Let us know what you think about today's show. You can find us on Twitter at Planet Money or email us at planetmoney at npr.org. 
Thank you, Jess Jang, for producing this story, David Kestenbaum for editing and helping out. We'd also like to thank Julie Jargon and Eric Morath at The Wall Street Journal, whose story on the minimum wage tipped us off to this weird wage divide at the Valley Fair Mall. If you're looking for another program to listen to, check out Ask Me Another for word games, puzzles, and trivia of all kinds. Find it and other NPR shows on iTunes under podcasts. I'm Steve Henn. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.